Welcome to Lumpen Week in Review, the show that covers the past week of news, happenings, and programs presented on WLPN. This week, Lumpen Radio chatted with a leader in Agritech, discussed rainwater in Chicago sewers, heard from Mexican rock legends, and learned about cookies from the Girl Scouts. All this plus the Trump Diaries and much more, only on the Lumpen Week in Review for February 16, 2018. Melanie Adcock spoke to John Edel, the president of The Plant, a multi-use zero-waste facility in Back of the Arts. Edel spoke about tech and agriculture, aquaponics, and how The Plant recycles just about everything. The award-nominated Tech Scene Chicago, with Melanie Adcock, airs every Friday at 1 p.m. This is Melanie Adcock with Tech Scene Chicago. Our next guest today is John Adel, and he's here to talk with us about his food innovation space called The Plant. Uh, John, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. And uh, and John, you have a, a really fascinating background in computer graphics, and, and I'd love to hear about how all of your diverse interests have culminated into what you're doing now. Sure. You know, I, I started this journey through uh, UIC, again, uh, and uh, studying industrial design and art. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did a lot of work, early work in virtual reality in the late, ni- uh, late 80s and early 90s uh, in the cave and at the design visualization laboratory there at uh, UIC. Uh, and then also worked on developing wheelchair-accessible transit environments for the CTA using mm-hmm. virtual reality as a design tool. Mm-hmm. So that led me uh, into art-directing video games for a stretch. Uh, I don't know how, but it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually into a nine-year stretch in television at a studio called Post Effects, which is a, a great incubator for creative people. Wow. And uh, and how... Um that just sounds so great, and and uh, so I love hearing people's stories about how they get into tech and how they end up doing what they do. Um, now, t- tell us a little bit more about the plant. I I'd love to you know hear about what it is and and how you found the location. Sure, the plant is uh, is actually Bubbly Dynamics' second industrial project. The first mm-hmm. one is the Chicago Sustainable Manufacturing Center, which is just a few blocks from the studio here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bought that building in 2002. It was a derelict hulk with whole courses of brick peeling away from the sides, no roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was occupied by a motorcycle uh, junkyard and uh, run by a guy named Cowboy, who's now in prison for life. He ratted out Joe Calabrese. And so he's in protective custody. Oh my. Uh, and then there was Santa Claus, who ran the, the junkyard. Uh, the Boob and Googs were some of the cast of characters there. So I kind of cleaned up the place and uh, turned it into the Chicago Sustainable Manufacturing Center, which is a a business incubator for people who build bike frames, furniture, fabricators, uh, printers, uh, a bunch of small businesses that function as a community together. And so uh, the plant grew out at a much larger scale from that project. Mm-hmm. And uh, the plant is about 100,000 square feet bubbly. Mm-hmm. The first building is only about 25,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. So the plant's bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the larger scale allows us to demonstrate uh, economies of scale for small businesses as well as uh, meaningful closing of loops. And so... Uh, taking the output of one process and making it the input of another process. And that can apply to things like carbon dioxide, waste grain, oxygen, waste heat, uh, troop, uh, yeasts, uh, 
every human process has inputs and outputs associated with it. Mm -hmm. And if we can combine businesses in such a way that we can take advantage of even just 10% of the waste from a company or reduce the input to another company by just a little bit, then you've created an economy of scale that will help a small local producer compete with a bigger company. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And uh, right on. And so so now you're, the, the plant is located in uh, the back of the yard's neighborhood. Um, d- tell us what it's like having a space there. Well, it's, uh, you know, the, the reason we ended up in back of the yards, there's a couple of reasons. First off, uh, it's, um, it's a community that has seen uh, disinvestment continuously since about 1950. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always been a port of entry to this country. And so back of the yards is one of those neighborhoods that has never been up at the top of the economic scale. Like most neighborhoods in Chicago have been up at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, back of the yards has always been where you came first, got a job in the packing houses, uh, and then moved out as fast as you could to something better. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the building that, uh, that we selected to build the plant into uh, was a former pork packing facility mm-hmm. uh, that uh, was pe- run by Pure Foods, and they were a high-quality producer of uh, bacon and hams and other deli meats. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were finding it harder and harder to compete uh, in um, in a 90-year-old facility, uh, and so they merged with another company and shut down the production there in 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought the building in 2010, and we immediately started to build growing systems in the basement mm-hmm. and started to do material salvage and bring in, um, well, actually not bring very much in, but reuse everything that we had within that facility to uh, turn it into a food business incubator. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I saw on your social media, your Facebook and other things, some uh, really fascinating photos of before and after with the renovation. Can you tell us a bit about the architecture of the plant and and what it was like to to renovate and what kind of changes and things that you did? Sure. You know, the the broker that I bought the building through described it as a strip and rip, meaning you strip the stainless steel out and you rip it down. And that was the perceived value was the scrap uh, stainless and copper in the building. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also described it as a pile uh, and so that appealed to me. I said, wow, this, this has potential because this is going to be an unusual building. This is not just some warehouse. This is a facility that has, well, every room is different. Uh, it's filled with food-grade features like floor drains in every room, uh, dairy brick floors, which are beautiful, dense red brick mm-hmm. uh, that's USDA-grade, um, heavy electrical uh, heavy, heavy everything because it was a production facility. Mm-hmm. And so that appealed to me because it was, uh, it, it already came with a lot of what we needed to turn it into a new kind of food production facility. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's, uh, that is, um, I, I love hearing about that. And, and, and so um, the architecture, the architectural aspects and all the work must have mm-hmm. just been, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of details and a lot of things to do. Um, but mm-hmm. how, how many facilities like the plant exist nationwide? Well, there's nothing quite like it. Uh, There are business incubators around the country, certainly, but there really aren't any that look specifically to connect the businesses uh, by means of 
uh, their waste streams. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, in, in America, uh, things come from the store and then they go down a hole somewhere and you don't know where they went. You don't know where they came from or where they went. Mm-hmm. And so one of the goals that we have is to lay bare how buildings work, where food comes from, where materials come from and go to, because then we can start to understand what we need to do to dig ourselves out of this hole that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the more we can uh, connect everybody and then show people what those connections look like, the better the chance that we're going to have of, of uh, getting to a truly just and sustainable uh, society. Mm-hmm. Well, and... and- yeah, I, I hear you. And, and you know, John, this is this is a show about technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, farming is one of the first technologies developed by humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do most people think of when they hear the words agricultural or farming? Well, you know, I think most people have this idyllic vision, which hasn't existed for, I don't know, 80 years or something like that since the, the typical farm family farm was around. Uh, so these days we have big ag, uh, mm-hmm. growing commodities, corn and, and beans, and then we have uh, local and smaller producers who may or may not be organic, but primarily they're local. Mm-hmm. And where you have real people laying hands on uh, on the food who know what they're doing, care about the process, care about the product, and then hopefully are very close to the people that actually consume it. And so uh, to me, I, I want to know my farmer. I want to know the person that... Uh, baked the beans or whatever it is uh, in that process because then I know I'm getting healthy food. And I, mm-hmm. and I also, I think this is, you know, this is an example of where we can uh, explain to people the difference between processed food and real food. And the mm-hmm. more people know, uh, know that difference, the more interest there will be in local food. And then that makes the economic case that much better. It makes it a lot easier because the more people that are willing to pay a little bit extra because it costs mm-hmm. a lot of money to produce high-quality food, the better. Mm-hmm. And so we can move in that direction. Yeah. And, and now uh, ag tech is such a, a buzzword, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. can you help us understand what the tech is in ag tech? Sure. Uh, there are a lot of ways to look at it. And uh, within the plant, we have seven indoor farms right now. Uh, plus seven, and then Mm -hmm. three more outdoor farms. Uh, The indoor farms range from very simple operations, uh, primarily growing microgreens and Mm -hmm. some lettuces, basil, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. uh, some wheatgrass. And uh, different people have different approaches to it, and some of them are uh, very uh, highly technological uh, or interventionist, you could even say, and others are very much more handwork and uh, and ultimately, when you boil it down, farming is very difficult. It's hard work. Uh, it's risky. Uh, there are crop failures indoors, just like there are crop failures outdoors. And it can be any number of different sources for that failure. And um, it's a hard business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, what, what do you feel is different about urban farming? Well, um, we see... We see a couple of different types of urban farms, and uh, on the one hand, there's the uh, the, the heavily funded uh, venture capitalist style uh, who are going big and uh, bringing in the latest technology, uh, throwing enormous amounts of money at, at indoor agriculture, uh, and it's a model that works, but uh, it's still not exactly uh, a golden ticket. Uh, the other type of, uh, of farm is a lot more carefully run. Uh, the uh, the owner of the company is there harvesting, uh, making deliveries, 
selling the product, making those connections. Uh, and, uh, and that's the type that's more likely to succeed, honestly. But it's also a lot harder. It's a lot mm-hmm. more work. Well, and um, can you can you tell our listeners about um, some of the things that you do at the at the plant and uh, the companies there with with aquaponics and what's involved with that? Sure, aquaponics is one of the things that we started early on. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, aquaponics and aeroponics in the basement of Bubbly Dynamics up on Thirty mm. Seventh Street, uh, which um, is a closed loop system mm-hmm. where you have fish. Uh, living in fish tank, you feed the fish, the fish make waste. Uh, using naturally occurring bacteria, we convert the fish waste into nitrites and nitrates. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what plants eat. Mm-hmm. Water goes round and round. You add a little bit of extra water for evaporation and transpiration losses, but it's a closed system. You're not using fertilizer. Uh, you're not using any pesticides. And so you get something that mimics a natural environment much more so than uh, hydroponics usually does Mm -hmm. uh, because you have uh, a much wider range of microbes living in the water and potentially you get a better tasting produce out of it. Uh, Aquaponics is difficult to keep in balance because it is a very complex system. Uh, And so we're still doing aquaponics in a couple of places in the building. Uh, Most of our producers are using NFT or nutrient film technique where you have stacks of uh, trays with uh, microgreens or some other product uh, growing in them that may be as tall as 12 high uh, within, mm-hmm. a, within a room, uh, all lit with LEDs. Mm. So, uh, And then there's many different ways to control these systems. We've experimented with uh, using Arduinos and mm-hmm. uh, writing our own code to control the systems, control dissolved oxygen levels, um, pH balance, all of that. Um, and, uh, you know, you can, you can be as high-tech or as low-tech as you want to in that. Some people just do it by eye and feel. I don't think I did it in this key before. Here we go. She didn't mean it. That's what she said. See, he was an old friend. And she lost her head Now I know my woman Is nice and kind But now we don't know If the baby is his mind Ooh, gotta walk it off I gotta walk it off Nancy Clem spoke to Akilah Martin about her soil testing project in Washington Park. Martin talked about rainwater collection, Chicago's sewer systems, and why soils should never be confused with dirt. Spontaneous Vegetation with Nancy Clem airs the second Monday of the month at noon. Can you talk a little bit about um, this connection between soil and water, which you talked a little bit with stormwater mm-hmm. and runoff? from our uh, concrete pavements and how that kind of affects the soils that we either live around or grow on? Okay. I'll, I'll take it from a perspective that a Chicagoan would know. So, you know, okay. we have lots of sidewalks. You may see a lot of bare soil, meaning soil that's not covered with vegetation. And so one of the things that happens if the soil isn't covered with vegetation, uh, you know, a storm event happens, um, that soil is washed away. And anything with it, so oil, grease from cars, any trash that's in the 
sidewalk or on the streets. I mean, you name it, it's out there. It's running down to the sewers, uh, which is part of your drinking water system. And I think Thank that's you. the part. <laughs> I think that's the part I usually have to make. We're uh, sharing it with everyone. Sharing everyone. <laughs> so whatever you flush down the sink, the toilet, the tub, whatever, that is part of your drinking water system. And that's the key to take home. It make you think, you know, like, hey, maybe I need to think twice about flushing Make you down. think and make you squirm a yeah, little bit. Yeah, a little right? bit. That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, but soils get a bad rep a lot of times because we, you know, they use the word dirt and dirt means something different and mm-hmm. I think if you could call it soil then it means something different it's a living a living being it does more than grow your food most medications come from the soil I mean most insects start their life in the soil I mean it's so many things and one of the most important things is that it takes a long time to make one inch of soil uh, like, like how long like a long time like thousands right <laughs> uh, of years to you know just create some soil and so What's important of people in Chicago to know is that we have really good soil. Well, we did. Um, we did. Some places, you know, still do. You know, the darker the soil, the better it is, the more, um, you know, fertility it has. And so we do have contamination in our soils. I always tell people to make sure before you buy a home or, you know, rent an apartment or a house or whatever, get your soils tested so you know what's in there. Um, you can grab, get a grab sample, which means put it in a, a, a Ziploc bag and send it off to the lab for mm-hmm. 30 bucks or whatever and... Uh, and have it tested. And so um, it's, you know, it's something to do. Um, but it's also important that, you know, for if you have children or family, if you're like Nance just said about growing a garden, that you have it tested before you start sharing the produce just to make sure. And even if you if you purchase uh, store-bought soil, you want to make sure you have that tested as well. That's a good point. Just mm-hmm. because it comes in a bag doesn't mean it's okay. In fact, I just found out a couple of years ago that topsoil is not regulated Right. In this country, so um, when we're buying soil in, mm-hmm. you want to make sure you get a soil test. Right. You're getting right. it delivered to your garden because that soil could be worse or the same of what you're you're getting carted out. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. That's so, mm-hmm. so important. And I tell students just make sure that you know where it's coming from if you are buying soil. Mm-hmm. Um, just find out or, you know, go somewhere where, you know, you can see what's happening with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's dispel the myth. So I don't have to do it myself, dispel the method or make the distinction between soil and compost. So it, it takes a long time to make soil, but not so long to make compost. True, and true, can you true. talk about that difference? Yeah. So, well, uh, and compost is something that anyone can do, right, Nance? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I tried to do it with my mom when I was like eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so compost is something that you can, anybody can make. You can use food scraps. Of course, Nance will tell you some real specific things not to use and what to mm-hmm. use. Um, you need some greens and browns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes time. you got to put a little love into it. you got to turn it, um, mm-hmm. make sure it gets some oxygen a little bit maybe. Um, and you can use it. Um, if you, even if you want to use um, eggshells, I've used pistachio shells. I've used all types of things to put in my plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but with soil, that's a different ball game. That's a natural process that's happening from breakdown of rock, mm-hmm. um, from weathering. And weathering could be from the rain, snow, pressure, heat, cold, um, that breaks down minerals, uh, dead animals, dead plants. Add to that, and the soil starts to build up in inches and feet. Um, if you've driven through uh, Pennsylvania, you've seen soil layers before, right? Um, right. Um, Indiana, Illinois has very different soils. If you want to travel to Northwest Indiana, you'll get a chance to see some pink soils, some red soils, some sandy soils. 
Um, whereas compost, depending on what you put in there, you can really you can really uh, manipulate that texture and what that fertility is, whereas natural soil is based off what the environmental conditions are. And I always like to say the difference between compost and soil is you have the minerals coming from the soils, mm-hmm. and then you have kind of the microbial foods coming from mm-hmm. the compost, and they're together. And so I think that a lot of gardeners, when they're working and building their beds, they don't they get confused about what they need, and they think they just need compost. But it's not a good idea to grow everything in com- just just Straight all compost. compost. True, yeah. true, true. Yeah, good point. Needed. Yes. Yeah. So take care of your soils. Yeah. Um, I just thought we could either uh, talk a little bit about your last project or um, anything else you want to say about uh, what you found in Chicago. We have a little truncated show because of our Uh, snow. There's snow, but um, yeah. So one other project I'm working on uh, with Purdue University is building rain gardens. And so this goes back to the stormwater events. And so Chicago has spent billions of dollars um, in the last 10 years just because of storm events, because of flooding. And so rain gardens is one way that, you know, you as a citizen can, you can build one. And Mm -hmm. build is kind of a, a... a harsh word in a sense, but create one, design one, so that it'll catch some of that rainwater and stop the runoff. And so our grant is part modeling, part, you know, on-ground doing things. And so I'm part of the on-ground and part of the teaching part, which is always me teaching. And so I'll be taking some students out into Washington Park with residents and building some grain gardens and then seeing how that impacts uh, runoff volumes. I'm excited about that, um, even more than the soil stuff. I'm sorry, Nance, but... <laughs> I mean, what's interesting is that, you know, here's rain coming uh, coming from the, our clouds, right. right? Falling on our land, we should receive it we and embrace it. Embrace it, yes. As, a, as opposed to consider it dirty and a problem. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, so, with, <laughs> and with the rain garden, we're going to accept it because now the rain garden is going to be beautiful. You're going to have all these insects coming, these beautiful flowers and vegetation, and it's going to soak through like it's supposed to and go into your what? Drinking <laughs> water system. But it's going to be filtered, though. Because naturally. it's going through soil. Yes, which is our <laughs> natural filter. <laughs> Said I wasted my best years on wine, women, and song. Can't say for sure they were the best, dear, but I can't say for sure that they're gone. I've heard the things they say about me, things I've overheard from folks I know. What I've heard seems bad enough, there must be worse. I ain't been told. Cantatiempo Radio spoke with Santiago Ojeda, member of the legendary Mexican rock band Botella de Jerez. They talked about music in Mexico, their 35-year history, and how languages keep shifting in Mexican rock music. Contratiempo Radio airs every Sunday at 9 a.m. Recuerden, estás escuchando Contratiempo Radio. Estamos platicando con Santiago Ojeda, miembro eh, de, la, de este ahora cuarteto La Botellita de Jerez. Sí, bueno, aquí haciendo unos ajustes. Eh, el Rocket Idioma vino un poco después, porque acuérdate que en el 83 todavía 
las bandas, lo que pasaba era que en México las bandas de rock eh, casi todos cantaban en inglés. Y era raro un proyecto que cantara en español, pero Botellita fue uno de esos eh, que, de hecho, no solo, como decía Andrea, eh, muy correctamente, no solamente era cantar en español, sino eh, hacerlo todo lo más mexicano posible, ¿no? Y por eso la broma del, o el concepto del guaca, rock, ¿no? El, a guacamole o el aguacate con el rock and roll. Este, y ya, fue, fíjate que Rocket Idioma y eso ya vino un poco más como en los 86, claro. 88. Un año o dos después. Cuando sí, como tres años después, por ahí así. Entonces, uh -huh. este, pero sí, este, ya, sí, eh, lo que pasó fue que. Eh, ya las bandas mexicanas, pues, entraron en razón. Dicen, pues, claro, pues, hablamos español, pongamos en español. Y ya se acabó esa, esa no sé, ese vicio de, de que el rock tenía que ser forzosamente en inglés, ¿no? Ese estigma ahí, chistoso. Y así, mm. y así empezó el asunto. Y el, cha y el charro and roll. El charro and roll fue del, probablemente la primera rola, fíjate que este... Yo no estaba ah, entonces. cierto, sí. El trío, obviamente, pero estamos ligados al trío porque nuestra otra hermana, de Andrea y mía, que es Mila, ella eh, andaba de novia con Sergio Arau y de hecho formó parte de esa original alineación de Botita Jerez. Fueron cinco años de trío con Sergio Arau, eh, Mastuer, este, Paco Barrios y Armando Vega Gil, y a la salida de Sergio Arau, se transforma Botellita en, en un quinteto, o sea, entramos señor González, Benjamín Laracón y yo, se hace una especie de, de reformatea Botellita de Jerez, cambia completamente, y este... Botellita fue en, el 88, fue en el 88, y ahí vino, bueno, es, un, es una larga historia, pero bueno, iremos hablando de ello. Oye, este, no hemos mencionado qué quiere decir Botellita de Jerez, pero es parte de un dicho tradicional mexicano o un, un can, una cantaleta que dan los se, se dicen los niños cuando se están molestando los unos a los otros. Entonces uno le contesta, botellita de Jerez, todo lo que diga será al revés. Claro, los dichos mexicanos. Eso. ¿Y de qué manera botellita se apropia de, de toda esta cultura mexicana, de, de, de esta cultura popular mexicana, de estos dichos, de estos... ¿De qué manera juega Botellita de Jerez eh, con, en, dentro de todos sus álbumes eh, con, con estas frases, con estos dichos? Manera, yo creo que es súper natural. Yo creo que había este hueco donde toda una expresión como el rock, ¿no? que empieza a tomar fuerza, que es súper popular, de pronto este, resulta que se puede cantar en español y se puede inventar su propia música en forma de rock. Y este, bueno, ya entrándole al, al rollo de que, bueno, pues hagamos de, de lo mexicano esta, esta bandera. Naturalmente, toda esa cultura que está impregnada en todos, ya la, la tiene este, muy clara. pues te, te puedo decir que de qué forma es pues, natural, es la forma más natural. ¿Cuáles son las influencias? pues Y cada uno de, de los originales de, de este trío, no te puedo hablar por ellos, eh, pero Ajá. sí. Y que, pues, cada quien tenía sus influencias, por ejemplo. Y Tintán era así, súper importante. 
oyes mucho la influencia de Tintán en los primeros discos, y no solo en los primeros, ¿sabes? ya después también se hace notar por ahí eh, los dichos, desde el nombre, ¿no? Botín de Jerez, mucho del albur, está plagado de, de albur también, de este, ah, sí. toda la... Mucho del albur, eh, y también el rollo de ideas como de salir con penachos este, aztecas en el escenario y ocarinas y cosas. Entonces, el humor y lo mexicano es así, algo que, que Botellita usa naturalmente, no tanto como que se apropia, pues no, pues ahí está, ¿no? Se usa, se usa de manera muy natural, se da y, este, y así ha sido desde entonces un rasgo que, que ha seguido hasta la fecha en en, en Botellita Jerez, ¿no? Lo mexicano, lo humorístico, cambiando, por supuesto, un poco la, la, la forma, eso sí, ¿no? Este, suena muy diferente un trío con, con esos tres eh, específicos miembros, con Sergio Arau en la guitarra, y entro yo con otra completamente eh, influencia musical, y suena muy diferente Botellita Jerez, pero se, se sigue manteniendo la, la parte del humor de lo mexicano y todo el rollo y por supuesto González en, en las percusiones, en los teclados, Benjamín, que estuvo como otros, ¿cuántos años habrá estado Benjamín? Unos cinco probablemente. Esa, esa, época, esa época, ¿cuántos discos grabaron? Fueron dos discos con la alineación de Quinteto, que fueron Línea de Bisojos y Busca Amor, y este ya eventualmente ya después sale Benjamín, y nos quedamos en Cuarteto, por otros varios años, y fue cuando hicimos el disco Forjando Patria, que ya fue como toda una reivindicación, y fue un, desde mi punto de vista el momento más eh, eh, la cúspide, digamos, en la, lo que se refiere a mm, calidad, para mi gusto. De, el mejor disco de Botita Jerez yo creo que sí es Forjando Patria. ¿Están cumpliendo 35 años este año? Este año en abril, el 2 de abril, se, se cumplen los 35 años de Botellita Jerez. Eh, platícanos de qué manera has visto el, el cambio del rock en español en estos 35 años este bueno, hay, aquí hay algo que está hay, están sucediendo muchas cosas este, que no me imaginé el rock, el rock como tal probablemente ya no existe, es una cosa muy chistosa este, no, lo que era antes era que era toda una plataforma de expresión y ahorita con tanta música este, y tan, de, con tan fácil acceso y tantos géneros y tanta cosa, ya el rock es una de tantas, ¿no? Y es fuera de los... Hay pocas cosas novedosas, o sea, grupos jóvenes que hagan rock, rock, tal cual. Ahorita hay mucho más la influencia de, de música electrónica, de, de cosas... Eh, eh, completamente alternativas eh, experimentales y, y mucho pop y mucho eh, hip hop y mucho reggaetón y eh, en fin, al menos en México, ¿no? Grupero el rollo, que ya el rock es una, se, ha, se ha como diluido y entonces en lo que se refiere a tu pregunta de en español, pues en español sigue y, incluso no, eh, lo que sí ha estado pasando que es muy chistoso es que sí hay bandas que están regresando a esas épocas en, en donde se creía que el rock en inglés eh, sonaba mejor <risa> y muchas bandas están haciendo rock o pop en inglés 
un poco también con esta noción de que, que, se, que puede hacerse internacional y puede pegar en otros lados del mundo y sobre todo en Estados Unidos, ¿no? en el mercado de Estados Unidos. Entonces, pues estamos viendo un fenómeno ahí muy curioso, que probablemente sí haya mucho de cierto, ¿no? que, que sea algo que, que sea práctico y funcional en términos pues, de mercado, tal vez, ¿no? que hacer eh, música en inglés aún siendo mexicano. Y lo está pasando cada vez más. Entonces, por supuesto, Botellita no participa de esa idea, de esa noción. Seguimos haciendo en español todo lo que hacemos, ¿no? Y en ese sentido, pues, eh, lo seguiremos haciendo. Y particularmente siendo el concepto totalmente mexicano, ¿no? Este, ¿Qué te puedo yo decir, no? Pero eso siento yo que está pasando eh, actualmente. <risa> The Trump Diaries. A key White House aide resigns after accusations he assaulted two ex-wives. The FBI contradicts the White House as the scandal mushrooms. The stock market begins to wobble. Don Jr.'s wife is taken to hospital. And the Russian campaign is ramping back up. These are the Trump Diaries. Day 385, February 8th. The Dow Jones index dropped 1,000 points today, a nearly 5% correction in the markets. Trump was silent on that. Senate leaders struck a budget deal to increase defense and domestic spending by about $315 billion over two years and add $90 billion more to disaster aid. The bill also added a four-year extension to the popular CHIP program. The bill did not come with a guaranteed vote on the DREAM Act. And it was revealed that Russian hackers accessed voter registration rolls in several states before the 2016 presidential election. A Homeland Security Department spokesman said that 21 states were targeted in the attack. Scott Pruitt suggested that climate change could benefit humans. The head of the EPA said, quote, I think there's assumptions made that because the climate is warming, that that is necessarily a bad thing. Do we really know what the ideal surface temperature should be in the year 2100? Rob Horder, who until recently was dating White House Communications Director Hope Hicks, has resigned after photos of his ex-wife with a black eye surfaced. Horder denied the accusations, calling them outrageous and simply false, but resigned anyway. Chief of Staff John Kelly defended Porter, calling him a man of true integrity and honor. Trump appeared to raise doubts about the entire Me Too movement in a related tweet, saying that, quote, entire lives are being destroyed by a mere allegation. Despite his lawyer's advice, Trump still wants to talk to Robert Mueller. CNN reports that Trump believes he is entirely innocent and that his experience with testifying under oath during his time as a real estate mogul will serve him well. Trump's lawyers, however, note he has admitted lying in open court a dozen times. And Democrats flipped a Missouri state Senate seat in a district won by Trump. Mike Rivas, a 27-year-old Democrat, beat Republican David Linton by just 3% of the vote. The election, however, was considered a potential bellwether for a potential Democratic wave in November. Day 386, February 9th. The government shut down for the second time in as many months overnight for five hours. A stunt pulled by Senator Rand Paul meant that midnight shutdown. The government reopened after a compromise bill was signed by Trump. And a key Department of Justice figure suddenly resigned today. Rachel Brand was the number three behind Rod Rosenstein, who is in charge of the Russian investigation as Jeff Sessions was forced to recuse himself. Trump has mooted firing Rosenstein. Brand apparently was terrified of being forced to take on the Russian investigation. She has said publicly that she is taking a dream job with Walmart. 
and the fallout over former White House aide Rob Porter continued today. The White House was reportedly aware of the alleged abuse of his ex-wives for months. Those claims of domestic violence stalled his security clearance. One of his ex-wives went to the FBI and gave them testimony. In response to the reports, Chief of Staff John Kelly apparently gave Porter more responsibilities. Reports say this is because Porter was a rarity in the West Wing. He was actually competent. Kelly also initially defended Porter and urged him to fight the allegations and remain in the job. Trump also defended Porter, saying, quote, he did a very good job while he was in the White House. We hope he has a wonderful career ahead of him. Trump added that Porter said very strongly that he was innocent. Trump is also reportedly furious with Pope Hicks, who is a longtime key aide who is dating Porter. He blames Kelly for the situation. Kelly offered to resign, but Trump has not accepted that resignation. Porter was forced to resign when pictures of his ex-wife with a black eye became public. Day 387, February 10th. A White House speechwriter resigned after accusations of spousal abuse. David Sorensen's resignation came two days after Rob Porter submitted his own resignation after his two former wives publicly accused them of being abusive to them. Sorensen has denied the allegations but left so as, quote, not to be a distraction. And Trump has refused to release a Democratic rebuttal to the memo released by Devin Nunes, claiming it contains classified materials. Democrats are now seeking to redact the memo or force a full House vote. Trump believes Nunes' memo totally exonerates him. And Omarosa Newman appeared on Celebrity Big Brother in tears, describing her life at the White House. Newman said, quote, so I'm there fighting, 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 getting my head bashed in, and nobody coming publicly to say we support her. She added that the nation is not going to be okay. It's not. She would not vote for in a million years, never. Newman also called Pence scary and extreme, saying that the vice president believes Jesus tells him things personally. Day 388, February 11th. The churn in the Trump White House is unprecedented. 34% of its staffers have left after just one year. And the Trump inaugural committee is refusing to say what it is doing with some $50 million it raised last year that was left over from the inauguration. It had claimed that money would go to charity. Thomas Brunel has withdrawn from consideration to lead the Bureau of the Census. Brunel had defended Republican redistricting efforts in more than a dozen states. It became apparent he would not get the votes to be confirmed. Day 389, February 12th. The White House proposed a $4.4 trillion federal budget that would add $7 trillion to the deficit over 10 years. That plan called for steep cuts to Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, and other social programs in favor of higher spending on a, quote, ready, larger, and more lethal military. The State Department budget would be cut by 27%, the EPA by 35%. Mick Mulvaney, the budget director, said, quote, he could probably have made the budget balance, but he would have had to use funny numbers. Also unveiled was Trump's infrastructure plan. Trump claims he will provide up to $200 billion in federal funding. The plan, far short of the $1.5 trillion he talked about while the campaigning, has been called a scam, as it actually entails selling off public assets such as Reagan Airport and offers no incentives to actually build roads, rail, or sewer lines. That budget also includes $187 billion in cuts to existing infrastructure programs, meaning the new net spend would be just $13 billion. And Donald Trump Jr.'s wife was taken to the hospital after contact with an unknown white powdery substance. The substance was later determined to be harmless. The substance came with a note that said, you get what you deserve. EPA head Scott Pruitt has been habitually using taxpayer funds to fly first class and stay at luxury hotels, using unspecified security concerns as justification. He also has been traveling with large groups of aides at hangars on. 
Pruitt famously installed a $25,000 silent room in his office, alleging he was the target of bugging. And Jeff Sessions called American sheriffs, quote, a critical part of the Anglo-American heritage of law enforcement. That racially tinged speech came at the National Sheriff's Association. Day 390, February 13th. Intelligence chiefs told Congress Russia is activating a fresh disinformation campaign on American social media aimed at sowing chaos and interfering with the midterm elections. The Trump administration has done little to stop the efforts, chiefs said. Trump has repeatedly mocked the idea that Russia interfered in the elections, quoting Vladimir Putin's denials as proof. And a second judge has now blocked the Trump administration from ending the DACA program on March 5th. The ruling means the Supreme Court is likely to take up the case, possibly as soon as this Friday. Trump has proposed replacing food stamps with a monthly, quote, American harvest box. The administration claims the plan would save more than $129 billion over 10 years. The box would contain non-perishable items such as peanut butter, milk, canned fruit, and cereal. However, no fresh meat or produce. The box was described by Budget Director Mick Mulvaney as Blue Apron-esque. And Trump signaled in a series of tweets he will not support the Senate DACA compromise bill currently brewing. Trump is seeking hard-line immigration measures that no Democrats and very few Republicans support. Day 391, February 14th. The stock market dropped again today and reports that inflation is increasing. Many economists had criticized the Trump and Republican tax passage that just passed, warning it could cause the economy to overheat, which essentially means a rise in inflation. And Jared Kushner appears to have taken money out of three separate lines of credit immediately after joining the White House staff. He now holds debts totaling $25 million for this year alone, over $188 million in debts overall. It is unclear what those debts stem from. The loans come from three American banks. Kushner bought a troubled New York City property that may be depleting him of funds. And in a related story, Trump has reportedly purchased several new properties since taking office, a violation of ethics clauses that require a sitting executive to avoid commercial entanglements. Politico reports that Trump has tried to conceal the properties using LLCs. Trump's longtime personal lawyer said he personally made a payment of $130,000 to adult film star Stormy Daniels. Michael Cohen said in a statement, neither the Trump organization nor the Trump campaign was party to the transaction, adding he was not reimbursed for the payment. That payment has been scrutinized as a possible in-kind campaign contribution. Trey Gowdy said the House Oversight Committee has launched an investigation of the Trump's handling of the domestic abuse allegations over former White House Staff Secretary Rob Porter. The deepening scandal comes against a new report that the White House knew far earlier about Porter's alleged spousal abuse than they originally said. And Democrats flipped yet another seat, this time in a Florida special election. There, a young unknown Democrat beat a GOP incumbent outside Tampa. Trump's approval rating has risen to 44% in the latest Quinnipiac poll. That is a new high for Trump, who still has yet to have a net positive approval rating. These are the Trump Diaries. Mario Smith chatted with second grade Brownie Olivia and her mom Erica about Girl Scouts, Girl Scout cookies, and how the Scouts' annual drive helps give young girls important business and leadership skills. News from the service entrance with Mario Smith airs every Thursday at 2 p.m. Joining me in the studio right now, you know, I've talked about these Girl Scout cookies that I, I love so much. And I, it started out as me being mad that I missed out on the opportunity to get them. Little did I know, I didn't miss out on opportunity at all. Girl Scout cookies are coming. And if you didn't make your order, you can make it. And when you do make it, it's do and Thin Mints and peanut butter cookies all day long. And they're secret cookies that I found out about today. So joining me, I have from WLPNLP Chicago, 
Hello, Hannah. Hi, how are you doing, Mario? Oh, this it's, is great. This is the first time. I know. It's so nice to be on here instead of just serving you dinner before you go on. The Trekker Kitchen is... How was it today? How I haven't even chicken? had it. Dad's tried to eat it. Oh, you haven't had... Oh, it's really good. I'm going to have yeah, it. Yeah, we might have to heat it up, though. That's fine. I've got time. I don't have anything to do after this. But thank you. I, I did not know that you were the Girl Scout whisperer. Yeah, uh, I've been a Girl Scout troop leader for almost five years now. That's funny. Uh, yeah, so they're <laughs> they're amazing. I get to hang out with really cool people. Nice. Um, and I, uh, I'm also part of um, what's called a service unit, so it's all the Girl Scouts in Bridgeport, McKinley Park, Chinatown, Canaryville. Oh, sweet. So we hang out with all the cool cats around here. And speaking of the cool people, she is so cool. It's, it's kind of scary. I'm scared to turn this mic on. She might take my job. It's Olivia. She's a Girl Scout. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, you ready? Yeah. All right. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Olivia. I started being a Girl Scout last year in around May. Okay. Um, I really like being a Girl Scout, and I have a YouTube channel called Fashion Famous. <laughs> Word. I'm going to subscribe to it. I'm going to do it before you leave. You'll have to show me uh, where it is. I can put it in right. So you're a Girl Scout. You've been a Girl Scout for, since May of last year? Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost a year anniversary. So so what do you like about the Girl Scouts? I like that everybody's really kind and nice and we learn a bunch of different things. Yeah. Do you do you see yourself being a troop leader one day? Yes. Okay. That's fair enough. I'm with that. So now let's talk to Turkey. Girl Scout cookies. All right. I know nobody has cookies. I've been told to calm down about the cookies. We were going to bring you a box, but we ate them all oh, at our see. last... We had to learn about cookies, this so we obviously why. had to eat some. Isn't that right, Olivia? Yeah. But I do have some delicious chocolate here if you want a piece. From Belgium. Uh, well, <laughs> we don't eat cookies. We only eat cookies during the cookie season. <laughs> I get you. I get you. Um, so you, you, you're you selling Girl Scout cookies. I'm going to buy a box. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to give you the cash later. I'll accept it. But I'm definitely going to buy box. Okay. Can I see what my choices are? So I can tell the people here real quick. Let's see. Um, so what cookies can uh, Mario buy from you directly right now, Olivia? Yeah. What do you have? <laughs> Which ones do we have? Oh, do yeah. you, you see? There you yeah, go. you took her notes. I'm too. sorry. I took your I took your thing. Savannah Smiles. Mm. Truff, trifles, um, Dosey Does. Um... Samoas, Tagalongs, and Ooh. Thin Mints. Okay, let's see. And there's uh, two extra cookies, but you you have to follow directions in order to get those ones. What do you mean? So you can't order them from our troop right now, uh-huh. but we will have them at booth sales coming up what, at Bridgeport. What, what cookies are you talking so about? So which two cookies are those? Um, Girl Scout S'mores and then Truffle Tastics. The Toffee Tastics, oh. which have the traditionally Ooh. been the gluten-free kind. Ooh. If well. you, um have some some digestive issues of that nature. I have no digestive none of that. You have to come visit us at a booth sale if you want those. Okay. Those are those are on the black market a little bit. <laughs> like the lemonade cookies that aren't available in Illinois. They're not available. They might be they're available in like southern Illinois. Really? Like I said uh, earlier, I'm part of a, the service unit. Yeah. So in addition, there's all these service units that make up what's called a council. Okay. And so we're in the Council of Greater Chicago, Northwest Indiana. So there's rules for that group. So there's going to be different rules and different cookies and different councils. We're going to have to liberate those people. I know. It's really, it's it's a big conglomeration, man. Free the lemon cookies, man. <laughs> lemonade cookies, that sounds so good. They're kind of similar. Which ones would you say the lemonades are most similar to? Savannah Smile. Ah, well, then now we have something to work with, Olivia. Um, What's your favorite cookie? I really like 
like um, tagalongs and thin mints. Yeah, how do you eat your thin mints? I just put them on my face. <laughs> <laughs> you just shove them in your mouth. Yeah. Sweet. What does the money toward the uh, uh, the sales of the cookies go to for the Girl Scouts? Olivia should know. Um, seventy percent of each box goes to us, and the rest goes to. Well, we use our we get um, a certain percentage of each box sold, right? And with that, we do um, it goes to our operating fund. So usually, we have a really great snack during our meeting. So shout out to Becky, the snack queen. All right. And then, what's the really big purchase we make every year with our cookies? Um, we we um, pay for to go to camp. Yes. Okay. Cool. So this is for like summer camp. Yeah. Okay. You've been to one of those summer camps. Yeah. Did you have a good time? Yes. It what was you, really fun. What did you like about it? Well, we went canoeing, and then we had we had archery. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Mm-hmm. I like you. <laughs> You're okay with me. You come anytime. Um, so we're gonna do the ordering. I'm gonna join your YouTube channel. Oh, you got it pulled up right there. I'm getting ready. What's the oh, name of it again? Fashion famous. <laughs> Fashion famous. I love the alliteration. That's a really good marketing <laughs> technique. Um, let's see. Where are you? Which one? Uh, Wait, can you tell me which one? You have to go down more. <laughs> Scoot down. I'm going to find There's it. lots of famous fashion around nowadays. I will find you. So what do you do on your YouTube channel, Olivia? I do crafts, okay. and um, I've done a cheer and baking. Oh, wow. Those are all very Girl Scout <laughs> skills, aren't they? Yeah. Am I getting close? Um, that's, oh, that one. Which one? The purple one. Oh, got it. <laughs> of course it's Subscribe. Purple. Boom. In. Oh, wow. All right. I'm in now. So I will look at this when I get home, and I'll learn fashion-y things. I, I thought I was pretty fashionable today. I got my boots. I got corduroy pants. They're green. I've got my white socks uh, hoodie on and my red hat. Yeah. It, it right. matches. Thank you. That's my goal yeah. every time I leave my house. I don't want to look too, you know. You look nice. Thank you. Your mom looks nice. She's, uh, you, you, you're dressing everybody in your house? Is this what you're doing? Um, With your no. fashion hints. All right. So the cookies arrive when? They arrive this Saturday. Oh, yes. So yeah. we will be at National Teachers Academy getting all these crazy cookies. We're expecting about a thousand cases just for our service unit. Um, nice. Which is. Um, that's a daunting like, thing. That's like 12,000 cookies right yeah. there. Yeah. Like you don't want to think about it. <laughs> I don't want to think about it because they all have to go in my car eventually. Well, I am good on cookies, man. I, uh, I am a big fan. <laughs> I'm about to play a song that absolutely proves how big of a fan of cookies I am. Oh, gosh. Um, I, I am a big fan of cookies. I am a, an advocate for the Girl Scouts, too. I think what you guys do is amazing. And I am hopeful that. Um, that this goes well for you and that you reach your goal and sell a lot of c- cookies yeah. and make a lot of money for your camp and you come back here anytime. All right. All right. You don't need an invitation. Bring the cat with you. Dash is walking around somewhere. You come and hang out. Bring your mom. Nice to meet you, mom. She, you. Uh, I was going to say, you're not going to say anything. <laughs> you got to say, I, you know, we have to make sure that they're. Yeah. She's here. I mom promise, gets Jamie, represented properly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Olivia. You're welcome. You're the best. I'm glad you came down. And I'm sorry to put you on the spot with all this cookie talk. It's okay. (laughs) 
So sweet. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Mario. Adam, this is your first time on the show. I know. Look Next time you. I'll have to talk a little bit more. I'll tell you more about the intricacies of being a Girl Scout leader. I could tell you a lot of things. I got Very other, complicated. I have, I have other co- subjects I'd like to uh, chat with you about, oh, too. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Mario also welcomed Alligator and Delmark recording artist Toronzo Cannon, who performed one of his signature songs. This is Toronzo Cannon, guys. This is a song called... Uh, Actually, about my life, kind of. Call, um, uh, it's not called me, but it's called this. Things are not always what they seem. See, real life is getting away of my dreams. I get a little taste what I feel, but get a heavy dose what is real. I feel tired, I feel left out and set aside. I'm trying to find the strength, y'all, to survive When I'm looking in my mirror, don't like what I see I see a broken man staring right back at me I need a plan and a little good luck to see me through, see me through When times get rough Hey, I feel tired I feel left out And set aside I'm trying to find the strength, y'all To survive See, my woman and bills Are all in my face They both worry me and want to be paid I ain't got much, baby, but it's more than you need So don't forget, girl, you were the one that picked me Hey, I feel tired, I feel left out and set aside I'm trying to find the strength, y'all, to survive. See, I stopped feeling sorry for myself, yeah. It's up to me and only me and no one else. My soul was dead, now my spirit's alive. I found the strength of y'all, hey, the strength to survive, hey, I'm not tired, I'm not left out, and set aside, I finally found the strength of y'all, to survive.
The Lumpen Week in Review is produced by the staff and volunteers of WLPN LP Chicago, the community radio of the future. The Week in Review is edited and engineered by Logan Bay. The Lumpen theme, background, and interstitial music is by Mike Perkins. Lumpen Radio Sting by Dan Jugal. Voiceovers by Ed Marzuski, Jamie Trecker, and Shanna Van Volt. For more information on Lumpen Radio, visit lumpenradio.com. Lumpen Radio broadcasts on 105.5 FM in the Chicago area and worldwide via lumpenradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>